Welcome to Psych in Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P. I'm Dr. T, a licensed clinical psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Dr. P, a professor of psychology in Ventura, California. Welcome and thank you for joining us. The purpose of this podcast is to bridge our love of all things psychology with our love of all things reality television. Welcome back to Psych and Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P. This is Dr. T. This is Dr. P. And we are back to talk about 90 Day Beyonce Happily Ever After the Tell All Part Two. Um, yeah. I, you know, I love Sean. I think that she stirs the pot and it makes for really great um, TV. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm really interested to hear. Um, no, to, to talk about the, the part two um, with you today. Yeah, we finally got some closure on some things and then we had uh, a can of worms open up on other things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, for me, I feel like there was a lot of things that were like up in the air. And so I, I guess, you know, we'll talk about it and we'll see, you know, as, as the show sort of moves forward, which of those couples will actually still be together once they sort of circle back uh, with these particular couples. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to start off today talking about, um, Asuelo and Kalani. So we saw the season pretty much end, uh, with the, the Christmas episode where Mm -hmm. they, um, had this, I don't know, fallout disagreement with Asuelo's uh, mom and his sister, Tammy, and, um, he, um, escorted them out of the house and it's debatable about whether he pushed them or carried them um, out. So maybe you can sort of jump in on what you thought about that. Um, but they, we get back to the tell-all and we find out that they pretty much have not had any contact um, with each other since you know the Christmas um, holidays when they were all together. And um, I think, you know, it's, a, it's definitely, a tough situation to be in when you are not getting along with family members and you mm-hmm. have to decide, you know, do you cut them off or not? And I think that's sort of how, for me, the episode sort of reflected as Sean was sort of asking the questions and, you know, they brought, you know, his his mom and his sister um, out on the show to, to talk about it a little bit. Um, but I think the thing that really struck me about this was there was some of somewhat of an ulterior, I guess, motive to like come into the reunion show specifically for his mom and sister. And I would say more for maybe Tammy um, than his mom. I'm definitely interested in hearing your thoughts about that. But I feel like Tammy came into that the tell-all and was like, basically she wanted Oswego to apologize for like kicking them out of the house. That was her only reason coming to the tell-all um not to really talk about some of the i think challenges that they had you know as a family um and so i guess before i sort of talk about some other things that stood out for me with with them specifically like what are your thoughts about you know tammy specifically coming into the tell-all with this idea that she wanted this apology from asuelo did she deserve an apology i mean i i feel like I feel like Tammy was always going to be heated anyway, because 
she is extremely jealous of Oswego. I think that by mm. far she's very jealous of him. She's jealous of his relationship with her mother. She's jealous that he may be living a little better than she is, you know. So I see that clearly. But I think the fact that, and I don't know about you, but I did feel that he did push his mother out the door. Uh, you know, they showed the clip twice. I, I don't think he, he wasn't being forceful, but he definitely mm -hmm. was pushing her out of the door. And that's something that I did think was across and across the line. So I feel like Tammy was slightly justified because, yes, I don't think he should have done that to his mother. But I think she took it way too far. She kind of used that to her advantage and kind of uh, twisting the knife into mm. Oswego. So I think it just, it, it didn't help. I do think his mother deserved an apology. I don't think Tammy did. I think Tammy had just continued across the line. I think, yeah, his mother was out of pocket. His mother shouldn't have said that, but you don't like, uh, I, I think it was uh, what, uh, uh, not Yara, I'm blanking on her, Natalie. What Natalie had said yeah. was you don't push your mama. And you don't. So I do think that even though his mother was wrong in what she was saying, as far as you shouldn't uh, be with your wife, find another wife, he shouldn't have laid any hands on her. So yeah. he did owe his mom an apology, I think. No, yeah. I, I, and I, and I, I agree with that. I, I think when I watch the episode initially, when it happened, I feel like him, by him grabbing um, his mom, because he grabbed her first, that that probably that for me escalated that whole um, situation a little bit more than it may have been. I think Tammy probably would have escalated anyway because she tends to be out of pocket most of the time. Mm -hmm. Like she has a chip on her shoulder. Um, and so I think, you know, he should have apologized to um, his mom. Definitely he loves her and seems like he still wants to have a relationship with her. But part of that may be that, you know, if he doesn't apologize, it's going to be difficult to, to regain that relationship. Um, I think ultimately it seems like mom is, is still, like she wants to have a relationship with her son. And I think for most parents, mm -hmm. you know, they do. And obviously there's some situations that warrant, you know, family issues that, you know, it's, it's unhealthy um, at times. I don't think that's the situation necessarily with them I think that you know they have some cultural stuff that they have to work through as a like a family unit being you know Kalani Asuelo and you know um, Asuelo and his mom as well um, but I think outside of that that he should apologize to her for his behavior in that situation but also again I think you know just sort of standing firm in his opinion about you know wanting his mom to like support his relationship uh, with Kalani, because I think that is also causing more difficulties for them because he wants to have a relationship with his mom, but he doesn't feel like, you know, she's supporting, you know, his marriage, which then makes yeah. that really, really, you know, difficult um, as well. Um, and then the other piece for me that continues to come up, at, you know, from time to time with Kalani and Asuelo is the importance of like his cultural heritage and uh, being able to like, maintain some of that, but at the same time, you know, him having these real like strict gender roles, expectations about their relationship and, um, and Kalani being maybe a little bit more submissive than she is in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know 
how that's all going to pan out in the long run. I think that th- that may be a source of conflict for them mm-hmm. un- unless they're able to work through it. Um, but it does seem like I agree with uh, Kalani that he is trying to like pressure her somewhat into being a little bit more submissive. And, you know, again, like saying, well, he's been in the States for, you know, three years. So he, he thinks it's fair for her to, um, you know, to go stay in his, you know, country uh, for three years because he's been able to do that um, for her. And so I don't know, like, I don't know if I would think that as being like an ultimatum per se, but I think Mm -hmm. that it's like, it's more of like, it's not as much of having like a conversation about where they should live, but more like he feels like, you know, it's your duty to now to do this in, in, in terms of like um, compromising, I guess, so to speak. And I don't know if that's compromising. I think our relationship, you have to like give up something, but I think like that particular thing is maybe crossing the line a little bit in terms of like what is yeah. considered to be compromised. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think, I mean, my sense is they decided to live in the United States for a reason. And because this could have clearly been something that happened at before they had children at the start of their relationship, he could have Mm -hmm. said, "I, I want you to stay in Samoa. Let's have a family in Samoa. I'm guessing they probably had a conversation and it was decided they would be in the United States, which that's their decision. I, I don't really feel like you should kind of change it, change it up. Um, yeah. And it also seems like, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, I know that uh, Kehlani is half Samoan. I, I believe she's, she's shared that she's, right, her she's dad is. her dad's Samoan. And I feel like sometimes Asuelo has kind of I don't know, alluded to that she's not a real Samoan. I think Mm -hmm. he's even said it a couple of times or what have you. But it sounds like she does a pretty good job of keeping their culture in general at the forefront, that she's very uh, connected to her Samoan identity, that she seems to encourage it with the kids. It's just that she's not falling into these gender roles. So to me, it sounds like that they are doing some compromising and she's doing some compromising because they have some, you know, they have a shared culture and she's promoting that, but it's, he's, he, he's going to have to give up on, on kind of this uh, patriarchal piece. He's going to give up, have to give up a little bit of his male privilege, uh, I think, in order <laughs> to be in this relationship. Right. No, I agree with that. And, and I, again, like, I think like if, if that is a deal breaker for him, I'm not sure if it is or it isn't. I think that's going to lead them to have a difficult conversation about their mm-hmm. marriage and, you know, obviously with the kids. But we, I think the good thing about them that I've seen at least over the season um, is that he has seemed to have grown a little bit since the last, um, the last season and that, that they, their relationship is in a much better place than what it was um, at the start. Um, Mm-hmm. of this of, of happily ever after so i'm hoping that they they will be able to make um progress but i think like this this idea about this sort of samoan um lifestyle being a samoan family which he's sort of stressed um at some point i think is going to be a tough one for um kalani because she she wants to like she wants to 
be involved in both aspects of, of her identity. And also, again, like, you know, as you said, like allow the kids to have that exposure um, you mm-hmm. know, to their Samoan culture, but the living piece, I think is, is gonna be tough for her because it sounds like they may have actually had that conversation that you sort of mentioned about not mm-hmm. living there. And it seems like she sort of brought that up in the tell-all that, you know, I, I mentioned I wanted to live in, in, the, in the US. Um, so I wish him the best. I hope that he's able mm-hmm. to, you know, improve his relationship uh, with his mom. I think Tammy is pretty much like she's wiped her hands of him, <laughs> seems like it, but who knows? We'll, we'll, we may find out in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So what couple did you want to focus on this week? Well, I thought we should talk a little bit about Libby Andre. Um, we we find so Andre is still working with Chuck, and he and Libby are, I guess, working together. The whole issue about the babysitter comes up. Andre is still pretty much against the babysitter, and he also kind of had this attitude of, you know, you're not doing that much, you're working from home, so I don't see why you need a babysitter. And you know, Libby's retort is that, you know, working from home is still work. And so I have to be able to focus on that in order to stay with the kid. Now, in general, I believe that I would support the, the, the female in this instance, and in that it is hard to be a working mom from home. I, I do believe that. Yeah. That being said, I do remember them talking about Libby's job a while ago. And from what I remember, she only works part time and she works for her dad. So I kind of feel that there's some flexibility in that she is working for she's only working part time and she is working for her father. Not to say that, you know, a child doesn't take up a lot of time, but I um, I don't know. I I kind of. I don't know. I don't want to judge. I know I sound like I'm judging, but (laughs) I I kind of feel like she, she maybe doesn't need a babysitter that much. Like it's not kind of a full-time kind of thing. And we don't know. And Yara gave her own input on it too, that culturally it just wasn't right. So we get past that, but once we get past that, then we bring in the family. So first we have Chuck is on set and, his whole attitude towards Andre seems to be a little bit different because he's, he's being asked what happened with their family. And he's pointing to Andre and saying that he's happened. And so I think what ends up happening in the, on the, the tell all is you can kind of see Chuck being a little bit split between his family, his kids that don't care for uh, Andre as well as between Andre and Libby. So you can tell he still likes Andre but I think I have a feeling that maybe his kids gave him some feedback that they weren't, so he wasn't supporting them or that maybe they were asking him to choose or whatever. So I mm-hmm. feel like he was trying to also take up sides too with the kids. When Charlie was brought out, he seemed to stick up for him um, a couple of times, but it turns out that with Charlie, Chuck hasn't really been talking to Charlie Andre and Libby haven't really been talking to Charlie. It sounds like most of the family have kind of, as Charlie has said, kind of ex- 
almost excommunicated him from the family because he's too toxic, which is a term that keeps coming up about being toxic, toxic, which I felt was a key word for really what they were trying to talk about was something to do with his alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. And they weren't being as direct about it. Andre brings it up first and talks about him drinking so much and getting angry and drinking. And that's why they have him out of his life and that it may be a reason why him and his father aren't working anymore, but the family doesn't want to call him out and say he's an alcoholic. They do just kind of note that he has problems with alcohol and mm-hmm. that alcohol has kind of fueled some of his anger or outbursts that he's had. So I kind of get a sense that this, this is a really uh, an issue that really runs deep in the family with regard to Charlie and Charlie didn't seem to deny it. Yeah. In fact, he just seemed to minimize it. Like, well, everybody drinks. And so it, it gave me the sense that, oh no, this is a real issue in this family. This is not just about the business. Right. And I think, you know, that when the whole conversation started about, you know, the drinking too much or like these problems tend to occur, like the arguments, et cetera, uh, when they're at gatherings because drinking is involved, I think it made me wonder about like what other situations that were not shown on film, you know, to us had occurred in terms of like family gatherings where drinking was involved or um, Charlie had some sort of escalation with with his sort of anger uh, and behavior because it seems like it is it is a recurrent theme that even when the whole the like the I don't know I guess the fight happened we can say that there was some physical nature to it um, that even the sisters at that point was like you know you need to stop this always happen so it wasn't like this was a a one time thing that necessarily happened with Andre. And, and, and Charlie, but it had happened at multiple occasions with maybe who knows in the family mm-hmm. when he's been around. So it definitely seems like it is a it is a serious issue that needs to be addressed. And I think that the hard part for me was, you know, is this something that they as a family was trying not to get into much of a discussion about because they didn't want to like embarrass themselves or embarrass him at the tell-all with having this mm-hmm. conversation. But also I think like families have um, difficulties talking about, you know, substance misuse. And so I I definitely feel like that was playing a role in this conversation Mm -hmm. where they were not really fully ready to like, you know, talk about his problems with drinking because they were using this coded language. And so I think like, you know, if I'm the the therapist in this situation with the family, like, okay, can we name like what is toxic and and what is is this sort of drinking too much thing? Um, obviously, you know, Sean is not the therapist if we had to put it in that role, mm-hmm. but I think that that caused some, some difficulties with being able to like fully like address what's going on with his drinking, unless they like really call it for what it is and be able to either help him get some support or help or to, to, to make him realize the serious, the seriousness of how his drinking is really impacting, you know, him and the family. Um, so I hope that they can sort of figure that out and get and get him some help. He can admit, you know, that it's, yeah. a, it's a problem that he has. Well, and it also made me think about Oswelo and Kalani too, because there's this piece about at what point, if you have a toxic relationship with a family member, do, at what point do you decide to cut that relationship off 
or is it a matter of cutting off or setting certain kind of boundaries? And how do you end up making that decision? Because I know when I think about it culturally, just for, just from my own culture, it's it's not for us to um, with family members to end the relationship, even if something mm. bad is going on. Like, I mean, somebody had to have murdered somebody, and even that, you know, it, there's still like forgiveness. It's still like this is your family. I'm sorry, there's a guest speaker, and <laughs> this is still your, he has a lot to say about this topic, but. <laughs> there's still this sense of this is my family versus, okay, I'm going to set some boundaries and some boundaries are, I'm not going to go to all the functions that you're going to go to. Or it might be that I'm not going to talk to you as much, but I'm still letting you know, I love you because you're my family member and I care what happens to you, but I'm not going to be around you as much, you know? So I didn't know what you think about that. No, I agree. I think it is. It's tough because I think ultimately like we want to, like love and support our family and spend time with them. But there can be times mm-hmm. where like somebody is toxic or engaging in behaviors that are problematic for themselves or that have implications for others in the family. And so mm-hmm. I think like what may need to happen is that, you know, we haven't seen his wife, I think at all besides for me, at least the last incident where she sort of popped in and, and her and Libby mm-hmm. had this sort of incident. But I think like, really trying to understand like what their dynamic is, is she able to like support him in like reducing his drinking? And so maybe if at a family gathering, like there's like this one drink, you know, you have a beer or a cocktail and then that's it. So that it doesn't get to the point where you're drinking too much. Obviously mm-hmm. like you can't necessarily, you know, people are adults and, and they make their own decisions. And so maybe it's a situation where she's like, I'm not going to tell him what to do. Like he has to be responsible for himself type of thing. But I think like if this person is like repeatedly engaging in behaviors that are harmful. So let's say like he gets at a gathering every single time and there's like a blow up, then that's, that needs to be talked about. Like you're making everybody uncomfortable and nobody's having fun at that point. And so I think like he, they need to have a discussion with him to say like, if this continues, like you may have to like, you decide not to come or he doesn't get invited. I don't know, you know, to certain to certain um, things that may not, you know, require him to be there. So if it's like a cookout, maybe he doesn't get invited to the cookout. But if it's like a birthday party for a family member or something, he gets an invite to that. I don't know. I think it's a tricky situation when it comes to, to things like that, where, you know, somebody, you know, know it's toxic and maybe it's not willing to admit to their behaviors or even change up some of their actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the sad thing is, is that, and Andre pointed this out, and I agree with him that he thought that uh, Charlie actually came on set a little bit tipsy, Mm. that he was slurring his words. And I I caught that too. And I thought it was either he was overly anxious, or he was a little lit. Just one of those two. Yeah, I I think, I think he had a couple of cocktails or something. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think one thing that was really interesting that I don't know if I made the connection before the tell-all, but when Libby was saying that, you know, he um, he puts on this like persona um, or whatever when they're filming. And so like how much of it is like this tough guy image that he wants to like portray on TV uh-huh. versus who he is in reality. And so I was also curious about that piece, but it definitely seemed like, I don't know about the necessarily like the, Starting of his words, I may not have been paying that much attention, but I do mm. think that he seemed to be like 
he had uh, at least a drink um, mm-hmm. or two before he before he came to the show. And maybe he had to, you know, take some shots to take the edge off. Who knows? But he definitely has something. Um, to me, it seemed like, and you know, we're speaking as outsiders, so we don't know. Um, yeah. But I think that it definitely seemed like, you know, he this his drinking is is something that it's needs to be addressed before if it's not there yet it it's leading towards being you know you know extremely problematic for him yeah yeah I agree I I hope that they uh get him the help that he needs or he gets the help that he needs um you know Sean tried to wrap this all up by getting them to apologize each other and Andre was like hell no but Charlie was actually open to it he said oh I could be cool but then I think once he saw Andre's response, but that's not an back. apology. And yeah, okay. <laughs> I think I think Charlie can say that he he can be cool in a lot of situations, even at her wedding, and that still didn't work out. So, like, what does that even mean? Like, can we like mm-hmm. I have my psychologist hat on now? Like, can we operationalize? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean by being cool? <laughs> but true, I true. I think that you know, it seems like they are never going to be able to get along. And I don't really, I don't honestly know what it's about. I know what it's about. For for Charlie, I think I'd be curious to know what his relationship with his father has been like all along. I'm curious about that. And from my understanding, he's the only male in mm. the family. At least that's all that's been presented in the 90 day universe. And here you have Andre coming in who... He's kind of like he's a he's a macho kind of dude, you know. Mm-hmm. He he is more uh very masculine presenting, kind of like a, a guy guy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Y'all should y'all should see the uh he's a man, man gestures that I'm making right now. <laughs> yeah, he's a man's man. And Chuck really liked that. And I think that that brought bred jealousy for Charlie. Mm. And I think that he's just annoyed that maybe he doesn't have the best or that kind of relationship with his father or his father hasn't looked at him in that kind of way. And I think he just gets triggered by Andre. I don't mm-hmm. think Andre gets triggered by Charlie. It's it's more of Charlie's behaviors towards him and his attitude towards him that he gets yeah. upset by. But I, I think it's it has to do with his relationship with his father and something about that and how his father relates to Andre is really triggering for Charlie. That's why I hope he does get some somehow this is just a guess just a thought yeah I mean that I can I can see those um connections and even you know going back to the wedding I think when he felt like well um you know Chuck was putting all this money into leaving Andre's wedding which he had done for the other siblings and so I think like that minor thing about like you giving him all of this stuff that you haven't really given me as your child, I think, you know, sort of stood out for me. And so sort of your explanation um, of like tying together the pieces definitely seemed like it, it's, it's, it's possible, um, you know, for him to sort of, to feel that way as a result of that. Yeah. Yeah. So wishing them, wishing them the best. I almost feel like, you know, given, what's happened at the tell-all that um, there may be a spinoff with, with this family. So I guess time will tell what, T, what TLC um, has in store for us. <laughs> It'll be called the family business. <laughs> <laughs> or the, the, the non-family businesses since they are competing, <laughs> potentially competing um, that's true. against each other. But that's a, 
that's another conversation. <laughs> so what other things or a couple sort of stood out for you at, at, at the part two of the tell-off? I mean, Joby and Yara were interesting. Um, it, it was mostly the same kind of thing. Joby needs to step up. His mother came on and it's, it's still so cute to see her relationship with Yara. And even his Bestie. mother was saying, Bestie, I know it's so cute. But even his mother was saying the same thing. Look, you need to like step it up. You need to recognize that this is your family and you're not on vacation when you're not working. And so I I thought that was good. I really wish though that uh, Angela was still a part of the cast that she hadn't walked away because I would have really liked to hear what she had to say about Jovi. That to me would have been particularly interesting. But, and oh, Yara might be pregnant. Oh, I was I was just about to say that. This possible baby number two that um, I think she is unsure about, but also realizing like the consequences that she sort of mentioned, like if she is pregnant, then she's going back to Ukraine so that she has some support and, and that she's not alone um, all the time. It's something that she has to do because it, it, it would be, it would make sense for her but also it would be tough, I think, for her to do because she doesn't necessarily want, you know, to like not be there for, for her husband. But as she sort of mentioned, like he's not there anyway most of the time. So yeah. when he's not working, he can just, you know, come to Ukraine um, and be with her. But obviously, you know, for for his mom, as she sort of mentioned, she would be sad because she wouldn't be able to to get as much time with the grandkids, um, you know, if if they did move back. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it will be interesting to see. Um, I guess we, we may have to go searching the blogs um, to find out mm-hmm. if they actually um, took this pregnancy test once they got back to Louisiana because um, Yara was sort of like, I don't want to take it right now. Um, and so it would have been really, I think, hilarious if they would have said, well, let's let's take a break now. We get Yara. And go take the pregnancy test. test. <laughs> But again, that seems like that might be a sort of invasion of of her privacy and and public health, um, her information. So um, it made sense why they didn't really like push that issue per se. You know what? I just feel like Yara is so foolish because, and and here, I, I know it takes more than one person to create a child. But that being said, she knows this man is not mature. She knows this man is not uh, dedicating himself to his family the way that she expects him to. He's not kind of meeting those kind of basic things for her. She feels lonely by herself. Da, 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 da. Why isn't her ass on birth control? Why? Yeah. Like, I just, I, I don't understand why you're having so much difficulty with this one child right now who is still so little that you're just going to be kind of careless about the possibility of having another child. Yeah. So, and, I, and especially I mean, with I don't know. Concerns. I think, yeah. I mean, I think like the whole idea about contraception with, with married couples um, can be interesting because I think like for some couples, they feel like once they are married, that the whole idea about birth control sort of goes out the window, so to speak. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not married, so I can't like speak to every couple. And I don't want to like overgeneralize this, but I think in watching this show, even just you know with Brandon and Julia at the beginning of, of their relationship on the show, where they weren't using 
uh, anything, but also knowing that they didn't want to have kids right now. So yeah, yeah that's the part that doesn't make sense. <laughs> if you're okay with potentially having a child now or whatever, I get that. But if you know you don't want a child, that's what I don't, I, I don't, and I'm not married either. Yeah. But maybe that's why I don't understand, but I just, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, and to be completely honest, I think like for me, um, somewhat being, uh, I, I keep saying, uh, amateur scientists, like I know how biology works. And so I just, I'm just not willing to like take the risk in situations just like with, with COVID. Um, and so it, it doesn't, you know, make sense for me. And I think again, like I probably mentioned that before when we started watching the show and, you know, Julia didn't want to, you know, take birth control and they didn't want to use condoms. And so I was like, well, what do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> It is this hocus pocus? How are you gonna make sure? Yeah. <laughs> no, that is an interesting point. Given you know they're struggling right now uh, with their relationship, mm-hmm. trying to like rekindle the romance and things like that, and so um, to bring another kid into that situation on top of him, you know, working, you know, offshores is definitely not um, necessarily like setting things in play for them to like have a have a successful. Uh, marriage and relationship yeah yeah was there anyone that you felt you wanted to kind of touch on a little bit you know the only thing that I wanted to say about the tell-all part two for me is that I feel like there were so many couples up in the air and for me almost feel like every single couple that was on that stage minus maybe Kalani and Asuelo, I think they may have been like in the best place (laughs) out Mm -hmm. of all the couples. I think that they all sort of highlighted for me that there's some challenges that they have to sort of figure out um, moving forward with their relationships. Um, But the interesting thing that I think was sort of left um, as the show ended was this whole Mike and Natalie, like weirdness (laughs) that was going on. Like he sort of wants to let her go, but he doesn't necessarily want to let her go. And so he reluctantly said like, it sort of ended. And then she sort of went along with them was like, yes, it's it's over. And then, you know, does this little schoolgirl thing where she doesn't want to like walk past him, um, you know, as she's leaving um, the studio or whatever. So <laughs> I guess their relationship is finally done. And I hope that he, you know, is able to, um, you know, sadly, you know, canceled the card. I don't, I hate to see her in like a tough situation financially, but like, you can't expect somebody to like continue to support you that you don't want a relationship with. And at least that's my rational rationalization. Yeah, but he's responsible for her, right? They got married. He's now, he's legally responsible for her. This is right? true. So, you so. know, we'll... They have to figure that out. Our immigration will will aid them in figuring yes. out that situation. <laughs> they will. <laughs> so it's been great, you know, talking with you about Happily Ever After. And obviously, like, I love reality TV. And that's why we sort of started the, the show, because we both have this love uh, for reality mm-hmm. TV. And so um, we're going to leave you with some, maybe some sad news um, that this is our season finale um, of the show. We're going to take a break um, and we won't be doing episodes about the next um, season of 90 Day um, Fiance, but we'll be watching uh, with y'all as well. And be in communication with us. 
let us know what shows are you watching? What shows would you like us when we return to maybe focus on? Maybe something outside of 90 Day. You know, we watch Big Brother. We also, yes. I'm a I'm a huge, you know, Dr. T's not really into the Housewives, but I'm a huge Housewives fan. So maybe you all have some ideas about shows that we should be watching or following. Let us know. Married at First Sight is my new one that I'm sort of yes. sucked into, um, especially being a former resident of, of Houston. Um, it's interesting to, to see that show. I'm like, hey, I, I, I used to run through that park. So it's a, it's a very familiar <laughs> place to me. But yeah, definitely let us know. Um, the Facebook page is active. So message us there. Send us a comment. Let us know what what shows um, you're watching and, and what shows may be good for us to talk about. So it was great, Dr. Page. We will be seeing each other, not here on the podcast, <laughs> but um, look forward to, to catching up with you soon. Likewise. All right, take we'll care, We'll see y'all later. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Psych in Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P. Give us your thoughts. Leave us a comment on Facebook or Apple iTunes. Be sure to like us on Facebook at Psyche Reality TV and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite platform. Thanks for sharing the episode and join us next time on Psyche in Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P.